Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I was happy in the haze of a drunken hour, but heaven knows I'm miserable now. Do you, do you know the feeling? I do know the feeling. And in fact, in many ways, now I really do know how Joan of Arc felt. <laughs> what what a pompous tusser. Like, with Shelver, look, there's a big conversation to be had about all his kind of later political leanings. But even back then, back in the day, now I know how Joan... At the end of the day... You don't know, do you, mate? What is it? What she asked of me, Caligula would have blushed, you know? Yeah. Like, all, all this because, what, you had to go... You were asked to go to the job centre to sign on. <laughs> like, is that it? Is that, is, that, is that the same as what Joan of Arc had to go through, yeah? Oh, dear. What a, what a silly, silly man. Some some bangers back in the day, though, got to say. You know, separating yep, yep. The, the monster, <laughs> the monster from the art, or whatever it is. Um, yeah. Welcome back to Rule the Roost, everybody. It's not a podcast about the Smiths or about Morrissey. In fact, that was just a little, a little nod to uh, this week's beginning sort of intro theme music, which I think I've used at some point down the line. But it just fits right now. It just fits because that was a particularly miserable afternoon in the Midlands. I thought, Phil. I mean, the the the, the thing for me with that is that I can appreciate on the completely reasonable logical rational level Spurs have gone up to a tricky place to go as people call it the Molyneux with a depleted squad what were we expecting yes I get that I get that before the game heading into this what is a gut punch though is going into extra time winning and losing the game like it's it's just annoying and if you don't think it's annoying like why do you watch football it is annoying it's an emotional game it is like yeah, it's an annoying thing. So I, I don't at this point in time, and I, this is a warning to you, because <laughs> I know you, you're not going to do it. But I don't need to just calm down. It'll all be fine. Everyone's losing their asses. No, I think people are allowed to be a bit wound up um, after all that. I mean, look, look I, I, this isn't so much a question. I put out a call for some questions today. A comment from All Killer No Filler um, at All Kill No Phil says and Phil spelt like you, P-H-I-L. Um, considering right, well, that good. all of our games at Wolves have been historically difficult, have people lost their asses a bit too much? I don't really know what the full ass losing is, what this is in reference to, Phil, but if people are just a bit annoyed that Spurs lost in injury time, I think it's fair enough. What do you think, Phil, who I'm speaking to on the pod right now? Um, yeah, yeah. I think that this is a, a, a brain chemistry thing, isn't it? From my point of view, certainly, mm. like going into that game... You know, we spoke about this last week about how just catastrophic the Chelsea Chelsea match was, and how we just didn't know how it, how it was going to pan out. And largely, it was panning out quite well. It wasn't perfect by any means. So, 
And then for suddenly to get that kind of massive um, disappointment and, you know, the, the kind of reality, the massive reality check within um, injury time, it's disappointing. People are allowed to be disappointed. Yeah, you know, no one's like wrenching their clothes from, from themselves, are they? They're just, you know, you, you're going on Twitter, you're going on Reddit and to say how disappointed it was, that's all right. That's where you've got to go. It's fine. Um, it was really disappointing. And I think that, what it did for me certainly was just to confirm that oh okay so these next few months are going to be pretty fucking shit and that's going to be really difficult to deal with it's just it's that feeling is it it's that bit you've just kind of you do tack it onto the end of these bits but it's so massive it's so hugely representative of the issue of the past few years at Spurs it's all the stuff that we were worried about going into this season the lack of squad depth and everything but the way we've been performing the way we've been playing has completely masked that now it's come back like the Batman meme slapping Robin around the face do you know what I mean it's that yeah. it's that kind of shut up don't get your hopes up you have got Hoybier back starting for you you have got Dyer starting for you again you have got Davis starting for you again and look to a lesser extent Emerson Royal as well and I actually think, and I said this in the post-match, I actually think most of them, other than Hoybier, who I would single out, and I did single out for more kind of targeted uh, criticism, I think they all did well until they didn't. And that's really the story with the likes of Dyer and Davis. And again, like I say, to a lesser extent, someone like Emerson Royale. They are good until they're not. And that's what we've seen play out time and time and time again over the past three, four years now. We're back here again. And it's so just bleeding irritating to be here, to be so like helplessly just hopeless, really, about the situation. Do you, I mean, look, to, to turn this into some sort of a, an actual question, do you, do you think now is the time for somebody like Ange, who will have looked at this and think, look, you know what? I've seen enough coming into this job. I've heard enough around. There's clearly a sense at the club that the fan base isn't happy with Eric Dyer at all. I don't know if you saw the, the official accounts on match day. It was all like clap emojis, come on, Eric, great tackle, all this type of thing. Like They clearly understand that he's probably not very happy because the you know we we saw the video of him arriving the other week we see mm. every single post about Eric Dyer on social media when they released his documentary in the summer the amount of pelters he got from the fan base they're clearly trying to big him up they're clearly trying to make him happy trying to show to the fans look come on get behind this lad but it just ain't happening is it it's just not happening is now the time for somebody like Ange to just say not somebody like Ange for Ange specifically to say look can't do this anymore. Ashley Phillips, Dorrington, Donnelly, whoever from the youth team. I know Donnelly's a, an attacker, not a not defender, but I'm just mm. talking about more about midfield options and stuff like that. You might not be, you, you're pretty young. You might not be fully up to speed, but we've got to do something different now. We have to carry on embracing this new era at Spurs because I, I think the, the, the thing for me, mate, this weekend, it felt like this new era of Tottenham this whole new thing that we've been so excited about just disappeared. It was gone. This was like watching Spurs of last season all over again. Like completely back to that. Miserable football, one little pocket, one little move that was good, then the rest of it just grind core misery and then we lose at the end of it. 
and it's got every yeah, it's got many people being like, "Oh, is Andrew actually any good? Is he not?" I, I mean, that's all nonsense. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 I think it has drawn everyone back into that place of misery again, right? Yeah, yeah, it's the reality check, isn't it? As I said, we we, we just sort of starting to dream. I think just just when that up until like Sunday night or Monday afternoon before the Chelsea game, um, and everyone the the the, the um punditry etc was starting to kind of be like actually i'm a bit worried about spurs now a bit worried so we were just kind of on the cusp of like hang on a minute are we starting to actually believe none of this kind of tongue-in-cheek um can we thing um can we could we um but yeah yeah and again it's just just a massive reality check and you're right we're back into this this horrible grinding horrible football pointless pointless um waste of time to, to your question about um putting some youth players in there i'm in two minds really to be honest i think that the the, the the kind of the sensible thing is um do you want to throw them into this and risk sort of damaging them as a um you know young players you want them you, in in, the, in in a perfect world you kind of blood them when the team's doing well right you drop them and give them 10 minutes 15 minutes here when teams are three nil up right um but on the other hand if we're thinking about this long term and we and we you know we've we've identified these players you know dorrington phillips in particular as potential starters for the first team isn't maybe this is the right time to do it so i haven't answered your question would i do it what against Villa? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, one of them maybe certainly wouldn't put them both in, but that again means we're playing with Eric Dyer, who I think, for all his um, decent bloke attributes, I think he's he, he's he's done and he has been done for a while. And I can't, you know, really believe that we're still having discussions about him. <laughs> well, it's it's particularly miserable, isn't it? Given that. One of the talking points after the game seems to be is even somebody like Craig Dawson, who was playing for Wolves, some bog standard shit house defender, is he better than Eric Dyer? Maybe he is. You know? <laughs> and yeah, Eric Dyer's yeah. I think Eric Dyer is what I will give him is he's very good on the ball. I think he's very good on the ball for a defender. I think he's got a good range of passing on him. I think he in an in an attacking sense, at least reads the game pretty well I actually think he reads the game fairly well I just think his body lets him down I think he and look <laughs> we got a question here from Dominic as well at Dom Yates he says is Eric Dyer faster or slower than quick drying concrete and that seems to be just the issue of him and especially playing in a system like this where the defence are exposed let's be honest and just naivety as the um, as the commentariat are, are labelling it Funny that Pep Guardiola didn't get the same for conceding four goals against Chelsea. But anyway, um, his naivety it, it, it would uh, say that the, the defence aren't well covered, that the, they need to be robust, they need to be physical. We've had Romero and Van de Ven showcasing that all season. And now we've had Eric Dyer, like you say, who I think you know, good bloke and everything, even though he did get Dave Portnoy into our club, didn't he? Which is a bit of a red flag. Uh, <laughs> but... He, um, I think he, play, I, th- I, I thought he played well until he didn't, and that's 
that's kind of the point I continue to arrive back at. Same with Dyer. It was the same with Sanchez before. Good players until they're not. And their until they're not moment is almost every game they play. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you say you say he played well. And I think that he and someone who kind of understands sort of tactics more than I do can probably um, confirm or deny this. But it seemed to me that he can only play well when the team is completely sort of covered, covering him. That's why, again, we sort of drop back when he's when he's in the team. Um, if he was playing well, we would have been, we would have had more control over the game. If we'd, you know, we would have been further up the pitch. So you can say, you know, individually, did he give the ball away that many times? Not really. Did he make a few tackles? Yeah, he did. But he can't move, no. and he and he. And, and that's and that's that's an overall massive detriment to what we were trying to do and what Ange has been trying to do. So, yeah, all right, individually he might have been okay again, as you say, until he wasn't. But that that we we need better than that. We need someone to actually play the system rather than kind of drag everyone down to their level, as it were. Did you think Royale was all right? I think he was all right. I mean, he dawdles on the ball way too yeah. much for me, especially given he's on his weaker side. Um, you got to remember he is kind of um, obviously um, filling in in a in a in a role that isn't his. So yeah, of all the concerning areas, um, that's not one of them. And in any case, Udogi's back, right? So mm. um, back next game. Um, I, I so never, yeah, I'm not concerned. Uh, no, I never find him like offensively bad. He's just. I mean, the only way I can put it is he's just a bit crap, isn't he? That's kind of it. Yeah, with him. yeah. You know, he's just not yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Again, the Wolves didn't give him any time on the ball, or, or the time that they did give him, he didn't use very well. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we've we've got a long list of problems. Mm. He had that Roy one out filling in at left back isn't one of them. I don't think he had that one nice little passage. I thought when uh, he kept kind of losing the ball but winning it back, he just kept getting up and winning it back, and he did eventually come yeah. out with it out the end of it. And I just thought, go on, lad. I, I do like that spirit about Royale. I do think he seems like a pretty positive and good bloke about the place, as they say, um, which is uh, uh, yeah, nice. Um, I uh, I put out a poll, mate. I've put out a poll. Um, asking people if uh, we can just revisit our conversation from last week can we rely on Christian Romero long term because full disclosure I found myself watching in the, actually in the aftermath of that Wolves game I found myself being most pissed off with him like really really pissed off with him and a lot of those thoughts circling around in my head of he's a vice captain he's supposed to be coming out of this petulant, silly kind of phase of his. And he's he's dropped us in this. He's really dropped us in this. Obviously, he couldn't have preempted that Mickey van der Ven was going to get the type of injury that he's got on. But in a game against Chelsea, a massive game that could have put us, what what would we have gone? About f- three or four points clear at the top mm. of the table again? I think it was three yeah. points clear at the top of the table, five points clear of Arsenal. Top of the table again... And he he really let himself down. I mean, um, I, I will get back to the point I was going to make, but uh, Nick, Nick is okay, says, uh, I think lots of people have gone hugely overboard on Romero. Not sure it was anywhere near as petulant or bad as lots are made out. I would disagree with you there, Nick. He's kicked a man off the ball and then he's gone flying into that other tackle in the box, which 
it was an orange card. It was an orange card, and just sort of want a bit better from him. I, I don't know. I'm just. I'm sort of. I'm. I'm a bit wound up with him. I'm really frustrated, and I don't want to be in a position where. Look, my Arsenal mate said to me, my Arsenal mate Simon, who won't be listening to this, but he said he just makes me think of Xhaka, a player that we really loved, we really liked, and he's really good on his day. But it's no good having that when you're trying to compete for the big sort of titles, big games, and you can almost set your watch to him getting sent off. And, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know, it's, it's sometimes when you get that kind of grim bit of reality from somebody on the outside it's you know I don't know it, it's it's tough but I put out a poll anyway asking if we can rely on Romero long term and overwhelmingly 82.9% of people who have responded have said yes um, mm. and it's people in their hundreds just so you know so it's, it's a you know it's not like three people have replied and have said yes um, so I guess you know people do want to stick with Romero. People want to see what he's what he's got um, because of being encouraged by the start of the season. But I just I don't know. I'm caught under this cloud with him now, mate. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you entirely. And uh, what Nick has said about going overboard on the Romero thing—it's not just the as you say—it's not just the, the the red card challenge, which in itself, all right. Orange, let's say, let's give him the benefit of doubt. Say it's an orange card. Is it too dissimilar from the Curtis Jones red card that we, you know, benefited from a few weeks ago? Not really. That challenge has been played over and over and over again. There's been so much debate about that, and it's a red card. And I think that it's it, it might people might say it's soft, but it's still in the laws of the game at the moment. A red card. So for him to kind of do the same thing is really disappointing in itself because there's been enough focus. It's not like it's an aberration and, and a sudden, oh, this has never happened before, but there's a, 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 a weird foible in the rule that says that you can't do this. This is something that has been played out in, in public and, and had loads of scrutiny and he's still making that same mistake. But you say, it's that that in isolation, fine. It's the, it's the lashing out. He, he lost his head in that whole moment. And that is that is what you're talking about, isn't it? That that's the kind of yeah. can we trust that if someone's gonna, you know, be booted about a bit and get kicked about and react? Because as you, I think, as we said on Thursday, that's exactly you, you can a- absolutely bet that that's what Pochettino said. Of course, rile up Romero because he's likely to snap. And if you're falling into that trap because you've got a um, reputation for doing it, that is on you if you bite. And that's where I am with him. Do I think we can rely on him long term? <sighs> yeah, I was. I'm really disappointed, and it's really hard to kind of not single him out as being like if he'd have just stayed, you know, because it's been so mad and so chaotic and so catastrophe, you know, so much of a catastrophe. It's almost like well, I need I need something to grip onto, you know, when everything was going wrong. If he'd have kept his head, we wouldn't be in this position right now. We might be in a bad position but we wouldn't be in as bad a position because I think that was the domino that knocked everything else down um, can we rely on him um, long term he he needs to kind of learn from this and again I think he has and I think the signs are that he hasn't been as rash because he was rash every game like last yeah, season was yeah. every game that he was available to play because he'd been sent off so much um, but I think that the signs are, and I think that you know he's going to have to he's going to have to learn he's going to have to learn that 
he's now a target. And it's about that. It's about being targeted and not rising to it. Mm. Kate's at Kate Stolsved says, I think people are absurd to think we can't rely on him. I'd rather deal with the consequences of him losing his cool once in a blue moon than mediocre defending. Um, I don't think it's once in a blue moon, Kate, I'm going to say. I think maybe this season yeah. is, but I don't there, know. It's kind of what that. your point was last week, isn't it? That he's so good and he is so good. And I'm, I'm not in any way saying that he's not. He's a brilliant defender. He's absolutely superb. But he's... Like you say, a manager like Poch, Pep, these type of managers, they all know, get the get the big hot-headed RG lad, wind him up. Yeah. You know? Right. It's just it's just too obvious. It's too easy, isn't it? But then, you know, that's this is what we're talking about. In in today's market, this is a a what, a sixty to eighty million pound defender that we're talking about, just binning off. It Mm. It's not that straightforward, is it? Um, unless, you know, unless Phillips comes in, unless Dorrington comes in and they're an absolute worldie, then you can think about potentially phasing out uh, a Romero. But we don't know what sort of state Van der Ven's going to be like when he gets back from injury. Oh, it's just, like you say, it's just it's just catastrophe, isn't it? It's just mm. it's spinning mm. plates all over the place. Or, I don't know, the dog drinking coffee in the burning house. It, it, it's it, you're kind of trying to switch your attention to well I'm really annoyed with Romero but then like I'm also annoyed with Hoybier and then Basuma is out in the next game because he's picked up his fifth or sixth yellow card whatever the number is it, it, it just doesn't stop does it it really doesn't stop um, no no I, I mean to to take it back to the game against Wolves um it was annoying. I do have to say, their equaliser was was unreal. It was out of this world. It was such a good goal, um, and their second one wasn't so much. And that's that's I think where the irritation comes in. But I thought that Wolves got away with quite a bit. I thought they were kicking lumps out of us, roughhousing us all game. Um, Craig Dawson, you know, he's pushed Sonny, he slapped Sonny around the face and then pushed him down by the face. And yeah, there, was, yeah. there, was, there was a brilliant tweet about it where somebody was saying, like, you just know if Gary Neville's on comms there and it's Christian Romero that's done that, you're going to have the, oh, you naughty boy, he's going to be in trouble there. You know, and it's so bang on, like, it's so true. But absolutely nothing, didn't even get a free kick for it. Somebody spear tackled Brian Hill later on in the game as well, like knocked him off the pitch. Do you buy at all the slightly tinfoil hat narrative? But I think more just the idea that referees are a bit scared or a bit conscious at least of giving Spurs too much because of that Liverpool game. Because um, I, 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 I'm not going to lie, I kind of feel like that might be a bit of a thing. Because I think Chelsea kicked the shit out of us last week and then Wolves not so much this week but they were still pretty rough and it felt like we were getting next to nothing from the referee no yellows no yellows with Chelsea no yellows in this at all do you think things like that play a part in the Liverpool game? Um, it'd be, it's hard for me to draw a link between Liverpool complaining about all of that sort of stuff um, and it coming back on us to be honest I think Liverpool, you know, Klopp and the statements and all that sort of thing was 
gamesmanship. They mm. were trying to kind of put pressure from afar on the referees for the future. And I think that they, you know, we've already seen that they've benefited from it. Um, I don't know. I mean, I just think I just think refereeing is really is really bad. Is really bad. I think that the you know the the point about that I kind of made um, after the Chelsea game. I think that refs used to be allowed to to to, to manage a game and. As much as you used to, you you would say, well, if it's a, if a foul is a foul and a yellow card is a yellow card, I think we've now kind of seen the the, the opposite um, thought process on that. Where if you're if you're doing a massive London derby, for instance, where tensions are high, the referees will kind of adapt what is a yellow, what isn't, and let certain things go or not, or clamp down on certain things where they might not do in other games. I think. Having, I think, what VAR has done is removed that element mm. of of refs kind of using their own nous, as it were, which you know is problematic in itself because you know referees in the past haven't had any nous and they just made mistakes. But we've now got this flip side of it where it's done through a a, a decision matrix, and so refs don't ref the game and they just let things go, and that's when VAR can't step in because. You know, it's just, oh, it's just a foul. We're not going to stop because we stop it for every foul in this case. And I think that's what's happening. So I think that the the, the link from the Liverpool game is that the, the focus on VAR has now made referees so panicked about doing anything. Because again, this might be happening in other games as well. I just haven't, I just can't bear to sort of watch any other football at the moment. So it's just, just dealing with Spurs. So I, th- I think it's more about refs don't know how to ref a game and they just don't and they just kind of let things go. So we lose that sort of, that nuance that we used to have and and I think now we're seeing what it's like when refs you know go by the book all the single time um Craig Dawson always hated him by the way always mm. hated him gets away with murder all the time I think there was one where he, I think he, he specifically trod on Harry Kane's ankle just a lumbering oaf who just you know he's dangerous that's the thing it's very lucky that he's never sort of badly injured anyone in his career um but yeah, he's he's one of those players that gets away with it. So, um, is is it is it does that mean it's a conspiracy against us? I don't I don't know. But um, yeah, we we the, the the broader point about that Wolves game is that we we didn't play. We could have played. We 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 didn't step it up. We we dropped back. We we did the antithesis of what Ange asked us to do, and we came away with nothing in the end. That in itself has to be a kind of a learning a learning curve. Do you think? Do you think he, in any way, shape, or form, instructed them to behave that way? Do you think he got rattled by the talk of him being naive about the high line with nine men and stuff? Not in the slightest. No, no. I think that he was very measured post match, and you can tell with Ange when he's sort of speaking from a sort of a pre preordained script in his head, mm. as in, I'm just going to go out there and say. Um, that they were fine and that you know effort and tired from 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 Monday, which I I don't think was his was him being particularly honest because I think his honest feelings were, I think he absolutely gave them both barrels at half time and at full time, and I think you're kind of picking up on on Ange's approach to things. He's really good when he's speaking just truthfully and he doesn't have to kind of, you know, um, a- adapt his 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 position for a more of a political approach, but I think. Um, I, I have. I don't think he asked them to do that in the slightest. I think it is these players, which we've seen happen against with Mourinho and Conte, who have both said, I didn't ask them to do that, but they just keep doing it. They keep reverting to this. We'll just drop deep because, and it comes down to, again, to Eric Dyer 
having zero mobility, like your man said there, with about quicker than drying concrete. He can't move, so he drops the whole team back. And that, that's the problem. It's miserable, isn't it? It's just, it's just, mate, it's just so annoying. Did you, was it this game where you said that, uh, I can't remember because I remember you telling me on WhatsApp, <laughs> Ange looks like he wants to chin the bloke interviewing him. Was it this, was it after this one? Or was it the Chelsea? Uh, no, that was post-Chelsea when, right. when the kind of, the, the pencil-necked, you know, um, intellectual interviewer asked him, do you think it was naive and like he was you know asking a, a, a um asking a question of a politician who's just been caught with his pants down and and just yeah and just looks up at him and just wants to like take him out so yeah no no it was it wasn't it wasn't this game i think that he, he was kind of quite good quite good post match in the sense that he didn't get drawn on anything and and they kind of left him alone it seems seems as well because again people were just like oh spurs are shit now as we knew so we just won't focus on them we'll just let them we won't challenge them on anything grace at disgrace cars says if someone told me at the beginning of the season that by mid november we would be fourth in the table 1-8 drawn 2 lost 2 i'd have bitten their hand off am i alone in thinking that we got a bit carried away with the euphoria fun while it lasted and are taking the come down a bit too hard. There's probably something in that, isn't there? Yeah, there is. But I think that the the, the euphoria and the come down is from really extenuating circumstances. I think that's the problem. Mm. It's not just like oh, we were we were because we were doing all right last season at the start under Conte. But I think all of us were like we're playing really badly, and it's only yeah. like Kane's goals that are getting us out of this. We, that's not the case this season. We looked good. We looked like teams didn't know how to cope with us. We looked like we were actually onto something. That's the point. And then it is just, as I say, imploded because of injuries and suspensions. Really, really unlucky. And, you know, I, th I think you can say injuries are unlucky. But when you start getting a lot of them, when you start getting a lot of bad ones, that's a question mark. That, that raises questions, right, about what we're doing in training maybe or how we are managing the fitness of these players um so yeah i take the point about you know us, us being in a really good position but we're not going to be in that position for much longer i fear and that's the problem that's certainly my personal kind of gripe with it all that as i said at the start of this we we were doing all right against wolves we were kind of hanging in, and not necessarily hanging in there but we were kind of, we were leading and we were um looking good for the wind right into the end that would have given us the whole team a lot of confidence to go on and get through until January. That confidence has now been snatched away from us, and I'm, I, I don't, I don't know how we're going to fare over the next few games. A few more goals for Harry Kane on the weekend as well, weren't the Chinkies getting bored of that yabba dabba do can can music? Yeah. How could you? It's the it's the most amazing addition to football since <laughs> offsides. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's yeah, whatever, whatever. Harry Kane, good, good for you, mate. Good for you. Yeah, you enjoy yourself, you Not, sad little man. Yeah, no, enjoy your goals, your record-breaking goals. Oh, it just do, 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 do you know what? I, do, you, do you know what irritates me about it actually more than because I don't. If I'm if I'm brutally honest, I don't have this real kind of big emotional like how annoying he's scoring goals. We should have him scoring goals for us. It's like we knew he was going to do this, and, and I'm. Yeah, Whatever, yeah, yeah. I've reconciled us. I think what's irritating me most about it, mate, is now suddenly everyone just being like, oh, he's, he's actually well good, isn't he, Harry Kane? Yeah, of course of he course, fucking is. Yeah. Like, do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. 
He's got like, has he scored over 200 Premier League goals? He has, hasn't he? Like, he's telling me this fella isn't like absolute dynamite. Like, well, this is a th- yeah. This is the thing, though, mate. Like, who who's suddenly saying that? Are we talking about people? These this football Twitter. Pe- I, I, th- this, I think this them crowd. and just the all of it, or everyone. But it's not about yeah, Harry. Kane. I'm not. I don't bollocks, care if people it? think Harry Kane's good or not. It's more the fact that they're just so hesitant to give the credit to Spurs. They're desperate, of desperate course, to course. tear us down. You can see it now straight away, calling Ange naive and all this type of stuff. They're just yeah. absolutely reveling in it now. The Spurs have had a couple of games, two games now, which in truth is Chelsea. So a game against another big team where we had nine men. And then it Wolves away, which last time I checked, Manchester City have also lost two this season. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. Where do we go from here, mate? Where do we go from here? Because we've got a hideous, hideous run of fixtures coming up. Our squad is paper thin. I mean, is, do you think this period is just going to be a case of just grin and bear it? Do you think there's any potential heroes that are going to emerge from this? Or do you just think, do you think it's going to be ugly, nasty? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Um, I think, and again, I'm trying to be objective here. I mm. think it's going to be really ugly, just because. What, what the only, as you say, the only thing that we can probably possibly do is drop in some young players for the likes of Eric Dyer, Ben Davis, and whomever. That's not guaranteed of anything, and again, not even guaranteed that that's that's not even necessarily a good idea. So we're in such a such a bad bad shape, and especially you know, talking about higher up the pitch dropping in Lacelso saying you know we need we and we clearly do need a, like a a more like for like replacement for for Madison you know we saw how little Sun saw of the ball if we have if we have an attacking more attacking minded player which I think Lacelso is more so than anyone but we just we know what he's like as well mm. he's, it's just again giving another chance for these players that we're pretty actually certain can't do it which is why there's still question marks over them and in any case, it's not as if he's not absolutely getting injured for Argentina. Now he's been called up, is it? So, yeah. so yeah. Again, I don't. I, I know that it's 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 good to kind of have a positive mindset and try try and think positively because there's no point just like torturing yourself with stuff. But I think it is it it is a, a reality check is that we are in a real horrible horrible situation where the only thing that will help us is we just have to get through it and we just. You know, so so what what games have we got coming up? Let's say Villa, and then, then is it City, and then is it West Newcastle? Is it West Ham? And then Newcastle. It's West Ham at 
Tottenham as well, I think. I just don't trust. I just don't trust these players, and why should I? I've been, we've been let down by mm. these players so often. And when I say these players, I'm talking about you know Eric Dyer, Ben Davis if he's out of position, Hoybier, Lacelso to a point. They, these players have all been given opportunities and let us down and shown that they're not quite up to the standards. And as a collective as well, they're just really, really bad. We can handle one or two of them, but not all of them at the same time because that's exactly what happens against Wolves. Um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I was a bit disappointed by tough. how like bland Brian Hill was in that game. Because I've been sort of lighting the torches for him mm. all season, waiting for, his, waiting for his return. And then he kind of came in and was just sort of there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He did exactly Meh. the thing that everyone kind of expected. All let's say people who were um, anti Brian Hill. Let's say <laughs> there's a movement, there's <laughs> such yeah, a thing. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. people who were like, "Oh, he's not up to it." Their opinion would have been because he's too lightweight. Yeah, he can't. He just can't hack. And that again, it was just proved. He, he was flattened over and over and over again. So again, we're like, and I understand why. You know, you from your point of view, like I think there's something there. Again, it just keeps proving it just keeps proving what we already know. So, I, I, yeah, I, I don't I don't know where this spark of um, positivity is going to come from. Um, Dan at Hixie Dan says, "How on earth are we going to get a single point in the next two games with that defense?" <laughs> I mean, we've sort of skirted around this, mate. I mean, you, I'd I'll be honest, I I'd be dropping. I'd be dropping um, Dyer. I think I'd just give Phillips a go. Give Phillips a go. Yeah, if it allows us to play more the way that Andrew wants us to play, then why not? Again, my suspicion is we did what we did because Eric Dyer can't cope with what he's what has been asked of him, so he pulls the team deeper. If we do that against well any team, we're just going to be under the cosh. And again, showed against what happened at Wolves. Not Wolves weren't particularly great, but because we gave them so much of a um, so much of the possession they just ground us down and got the win um, what, what do we do against Villa <sighs> what do we do against City do you know what I mean yes yeah. repulsive but then you know again this is and this is another sort of disappointing thing as much as you say oh you know can we can't we win the league a couple of games ago because that's now not a question people are saying oh yeah but City is still strong as if City the only team that City struggle against for some unknown reason is us. So, but that, so we've got that, you know, we, 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 we somehow managed to do something against City or rather Harry Kane did. Yeah. You know, we did it against, I don't know. That's literally there, what I was about right? to say, I mean? like, uh, actually. <laughs> but then we did it in the Champions League with him. So, you know, True. that's just, this is clutching at straws, but there's something, there's something about Spurs that City don't like. Again, whatever it is. Or Pochettino um, 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 as well. They don't seem to. Like, yeah, Pep yeah. doesn't like Poch either, does he? That game was. Pretty yeah, yeah. Wild. So he's just been rattled. He's just been rattled. So that's not to say that we're going to go and beat them, but um, who knows? It's just it's it's weird. It's a weird cup final that it just you know form or a derby sense that form goes out the window when it's us versus them. Something just seems to happen. Um, that's not me saying I think we're going to get something out of City and not Villa because I agree. I agree with who was it. Uh, Hixie, Hixie Dan. It, it's so it's so hard, and I don't think it's being like the doommongerer, right? It's just so hard to see how this this team or these players that we've pointed out are just gonna 
suddenly do it for us and because it would be sudden this is it's years of them not doing it for us i don't know i don't know ollie lister um at oliver lister oh with we go. with Bas- <laughs> with basuma suspended and generally struggling for form which he is really disappointing actually i made a big point of that but it was really disappointing the other day um who yep. do we play in midfield and that's that is an interesting one isn't it because i don't want to see hoybier anywhere near the starting lineup again but as we were both sort of going on about on WhatsApp when we were watching that game, Ben Tanker don't look fit, man. Like, he doesn't mm. look fit, and I'm really worried about that one. And really, when I, I got really rattled reading the, the person I keep referencing on Twitter the other day talking about the reoccurrence of ACLs and how, like, frequent that can be if you don't manage their comeback appropriately. Because he, he, I don't think he looked comfortable at all. When that's he was, it. He that, that's my that's my point. And you know, even when he came on against what was it, Palace, right? When I saw him, it was a lovely moment and stuff. But I was like, oh, oh, uh oh, this doesn't look. This does not look good. You can tell when you're watching a player run that it doesn't. They don't look comfortable. They look tentative. Um, I, for that reason, I think that if yes, if, I, I play Hoybier over him just because I can't. I can't bear the thought of us rushing him back early and you know him having a, a another injury off the back of it because that that would be just terrible from us um well he's got another couple of weeks oh he has gone to play with uruguay hasn't he i think he's gone away on international duty which is not i think he has right ben tanko i'm not 100 percent. i saw something on his instagram of him flying somewhere and i assumed he was going there but um it, he might have just been going on holiday but i doubt it yeah he must have been going there um so again, I'm just like I'm not. We we can't. We shouldn't be relying on Benton Kerr. We shouldn't be doing it for his sake or our sake. Um, so who plays? So who plays? Um, it's got to be Hoybier and Saar, hasn't it? As I say, Basuma has and Lacelso and Lacelso and Lacelso. Yeah, you have to. I think that's the, that's the least that's the least disruptive choice. I wasn't a again, big fan of that of that three. Basuma, Hoybier and Saar. It felt. It just felt like, just by the natural kind of stylings of the players, it felt too defensive in a way for me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, so I think I think I'll go Hoybier. Basuma is his form has, has been really really strange last few games, and I think that because we've been winning, there hasn't been a hell of a lot of focus on his individual performance. But I think he has been really really strange since that, even before that looting game, to be honest. Um, and I think it is that he's had this kind of suspension hanging over him. So this gives him a chance to clean the slate and come back with a bit more focus. Fuzzy Dunlop 14 at Shipley 1988 says, what happens if we lose the next five games? Well, I mean, it's not going to be good, is it? It's not going to be nice if we lose the next five games. What Do happens you... is everyone will laugh at us. Everyone will laugh at us after the three games and then forget about us by the fifth game. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've all already lost two two games in a row. What another three? Do you think it's likely though? Like, do you, I can see Spurs not getting some yeah, it, uh, some of these, can't you? I, I think so. Yeah, I think I think we we definitely can do. Uh, just 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 the, the it doesn't usually happen that a team starts winning and then starts losing. Like you know, it's all green on the on the form chart and then all red. So you know, we'll we'll pick up some points and we'll pick up a win here and there. You know, other teams have their problems. Newcastle in particular. Um, where you know, and Romero's going to be coming back, you know. So, so our defensive problems are will be 
relatively better in a couple of games time right so so you know it'd be better next game because of Doki's back so um yeah I, I don't I don't think we lose five games from here I don't I don't th- I don't think we're particularly great the way we play but I think I think we'll, we'll we won't we won't lose every game huge shout that I know but <laughs> um I think one of the things I've been I don't know that I've been um just tossing around in my head mate um is this kind of the sense that it's all going to be fine trust in Andrew will be all good it's only the very start of this project and these again these are all very rational and you know very fine points to make but there's every potential we're going to have Europe again next year we've already seen how paper thin this squad is I sort of feel like I'm back in this place of do I back these owners to add enough depth to deal with this because it to me it feels I've, I've suddenly had this you know we're talking about this reality check to me it feels borderline and I will use the word farcical that we're back in this position and that is partly massive un, you know massively unlucky on our side we couldn't have foreseen that Madison van der Ven were going to get these long-term injuries in one game that Manos Solomon was going to pick up a long-term injury that even Perisic was going to pick up a long-term injury so I do appreciate we have been particularly unlucky in some ways um, there maybe do need to be some questions asked about the training we do hear how like hard they get pushed in training and everything like that so that's just a consideration like I say just just you know as I, I guess it is sort of wagging an accusatory finger Angie's way in a, in a certain sense but I think it's it's a, a fine question to ask um but it does it still feels farcical that we're back in this position again that it is a case of Dyer Davis blah 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 you know like do you, I mean yeah yeah especially with um, Europe next year it, it's, yeah yeah I think that this is I've got a very I've just I was thinking of an absolute bonkers metaphor so um in the so again this is this is a, a an issue that we have come up you know we, we've seen before first team great second string if not not great then completely unfit for purpose We've seen it. We've seen this a few times in, in in sort of most most recent managerial stints and most kind of um, successful eras, if we can even call them that. That you know we've fallen down because our squad ain't good enough. This feels like let's say if this was a game show. Let's say if this was catchphrase, right? The first few times, it's that it's you, there's like one square off the board. You can't guess what the picture is. There's and the second time, it's two. This is as stark as an answer as you can get because Spurs were doing so well. Spurs were literally top of the league, best team in the in, in the country, get some injuries and suddenly turn to shit. That is as obvious a reveal of what the problem or the answer is. And it is, you've again left us really short. And, you know, I will caveat this by saying that we are definitely going through our rebuild, right? We are definitely, we booted out loads of players. I don't think that you can actually kick out, you know, a, a huge amount of players. You need some um, consistency there because mm. I just think it's too it's too difficult. It's too much of a risk. Um, but that being said, 
why are we still talking about Eric Dyer and Ben Davis yeah, in 2023, in Christmas 2020? It is insane. <laughs> We've known for years that they are not good enough and that Dyer coming in means we're immediately weaker. How on earth has this been allowed to happen again? And so, yeah, so I think, I can't remember if you and I were having a conversation about about um, Daniel Levy need to, needing to back the manager in in January and whether you know our squad was up to shape or, or whatever it was, but it's a it's a it's again a massive transfer window for for Daniel Levy. Even though by that time Van der Ven will be back, by by that time Romero will be back. Obviously by that time likely Madison will be be back. So we'll have our you know our, our best eleven. Therefore that that this is why this is such a big transfer window for him because if he is serious then we won't see Eric Dyer after the 2nd of January we won't we will we will see competent backups put in place for these players that we've lost we will see and I'm sure we'll get onto this in a moment Richarlison binned off right we will see that Spurs are so good and so and on the cusp but it feels like on the cusp is good enough for Daniel Levy because it keeps us coming back whereas I don't you know it, he he's all, he was always facing flack before this season started, but that's understandably gone quiet because you can't protest something when a team is top of the league. That seems churlish or doesn't get the kind of uh, support that it should do. Even though it's completely right that they do protest, no matter where they are in the league, if the prices are too high. Um, but he's got he's got away with it, Daniel, at this moment because we we've been doing so well. But uh, but suddenly, suddenly all eyes are on him again. And I think that right and rightly so. And I don't think it's like you know pathetic to kind of say just because we've lost two games, everything's gone to shit again. It's like, well, no. It's just what what it has done. It has shown our flaws and the same flaws that we've always had. That we are just paper thin. We're just like some gilded cage. We sold bloody Harry Kane in summer. Do you know what I mean? No. Right. And then spent and spent his money from two years ago up until now. That's that's the thing, and okay. So I think you were talking on. Um, it must have been the what one of the recent pods. I think it was yours. It must have been. Um, well, don't listen to any other. I don't I listen to other pods yet, obviously. Um, and again, not an accountant. Know that the club is expensive to run and all this, but where is the money? Where is it? How much right. are you spending? <laughs> yeah. how, how, how much are you? I know that it's expensive to run. You make a killing every game. Where is the money? We are a sustainable. We're one of the most um, profitable football clubs, well-run football clubs. Where is the money? Oh, we every spent loads. single game. You sold, sold Harry out. Kane for a hundred. Yeah. You sold Harry Kane for a hundred million, and you spent slightly more than that by my rudimentary maths. Where? Is the two hundred million that we should be having, or whatever? Where is it? Where is it going? Where is it sitting? Look, it's just back to where this, is it, Jack? It's back to these <laughs> conversations, though, isn't it? Of is, everything exactly, is yeah. caveated with, well, the fans need to learn to expect that there's going to be price increases on tickets if they want to stay competitive at the top of the table. Do your end of the bargain, then. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, there's been some good business. We have got Madison done nice and quick. Managed to get yeah. that on a bit of a deal, but still, you know. But look, the problem here is, and you know, we're not gonna. 
I'm, I'm not going to get too riled about this yet until January's over and we say if we don't spend anything in January. But even as you're already getting people like Ornstein, who gets briefed by the club, let's be real. And it is worth remembering that no club wants to go into January saying, yeah, True. we've got loads of money to spend. True. Come True. on. True. Selling clubs, here we are. Yeah, we're going to spend about 150 mil. So then every other tin pot player you try and buy, they're going to say, oh, actually, it's going to cost you yeah. 60 million pounds, you know. But still, if we if we come through January and we've bought, you know, a couple of kind of Ashley Phillipses, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's yeah, That's yeah, yeah, when yeah. you're going to be seriously like, what are we doing here? What's going on? Are we back to this place yeah. again? You know? Yeah. And so I think we call, you do have to keep the powder dry until that point. But I think... Too it's, late, mate. I'm sopping yeah. wet. <laughs> <laughs> the, the fact is that you can so clearly see where it's going, though. You know? That, um, yeah. Yeah, that, that's the thing. We, we, it's just because we're just repeating. It, it's just Groundhog Day, isn't it? That's the thing. Players get injured. Second string come in, not good enough. Form drops off. Seen this before. Getting told, oh, no money to spend. Again, understand it from a tactical point of view, absolutely. But also, why say anything at all? Mm. And, you know, and this is not me saying we need to be spending 80, 90 million on players because that doesn't work either. We've seen so many clubs who are, you know, Declan Rice is the only player that's done decently for for that sort of a a high-value price tag, right? And even him, you know, he's not exactly pulling up massive trees it's not like Arsenal has suddenly springboarded to the top of the league it's not about spending massive money on players it's about investing and I just don't see that kind of attitude or mindset there's a lot of talk um, we've had a, we had a couple of questions so so Shuban hello mate long time fan of the pod um, at the real Shuban and uh, Max as well at MNGTHFC both asking questions around Richarlison. He's been linked today um, with a move to the Saudi Arabian League. Um, I mean, it's it's a big question, this one, because I know there's a lot of questions about the, the morality of selling to Saudi Arabia and so on and so forth. I think if we can just deal with the fact that, you know, they exist within football now, they're an entity... Tottenham aren't going to make a moralistic stance against this if they get offered a, a decent enough amount of money for Richarlison. So I don't think we as fans yeah. need to tear ourselves in not saying like, I'll be really angry if they take that money and whatever. Um, that's just my opinion on that in terms of dealing with this question right now. If we do get offered a decent amount of money for Richarlison, mate, bear in mind we did just spend £65 million on him um, last summer. We get offered similar amount, maybe a little bit more. Do you cash in and go again? Try and get somebody else? Because I, I, I am sort of with him now. I am like, I feel like I've seen enough. I've seen enough of him for a year and a half to feel that it just ain't going to happen for him at Spurs. I don't think he's a bad player. I just, I think my, the thing I, you know, what has been seen can't be unseen. My thought with him is that he's just not good enough for what we want to achieve. We were hoping that he would step in, take his game to the next level, and in turn take us to the next level. No player is going to be Harry Kane, right? He's a a a once-in-a-lifetime player. And maybe there's always the risk that there's going to be harsh comparisons drawn between anyone and Harry Kane. 
However, it, you know, we're, we're getting to conversations about Richarlison, who's supposed to be this explosive, exciting, attacking talent too. He runs really well. He puts in a lot of effort. And that's to me, that's always the death knell for a player like that. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's just let, let's let's remove one of these Groundhog Days from our uh, yearly calendar, shall we? Let's just if if there's money on the table for Richardson, sell him. Let's let's just stop having this kind of again add another player to that pile where we're like, oh yeah, but in the right circumstances, or as you say, oh yeah, he runs well and and whatever. It's not working. Someone else wants to buy him and he wants to go. Good. And it isn't working, is it? it? I think we can be no, honest about that. No, no, no. 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 He just, you know, I think he, he puts in a decent shift. Fine. Yeah, he does. And he, I think he's quite good when he, he, he he's good as part of a unit because, you know, he presses. But again, pressing, he didn't play £65 million for someone who can press on their left wing. <laughs> no. We didn't. Just, no, because, did just because you can use him, it doesn't mean that we can't, we can't be cashing in on him if someone wants, wants him and using that that money to kind of uh, improve other work. Look, look at how much of a lift Brennan Johnson has given that side of the pitch since he's come in. And this is a largely yeah. unproven young player who's supposed to be somebody that we'll see in a year or two how good he is. You know, he'll get up to speed. I know we spent a lot of money on him and I know he was pretty highly rated at Nottingham Forest, but it's still the transfer still came with those caveats that he's not a player for now. He's a project player. And he already looks better than what is an, an established international footballer in Richarlison. He just does to me. He like he he just yeah. works so much better immediately. So yeah, bin him off, bin him off. Um, look, let's just let's wrap it up with this, mate. We've got a, a question here from Dan Strickland at Dan Strickland One. I'm expecting my first child in January. Congratulations, Dan. Is it advisable to inflict the pain that is supporting Tottenham Hotspur on them? Or is it good to teach them that sometimes life isn't fair? Um, I mean, that feels like it feels like the same option, mate. Feels like that's kind of one of those like you've uh, your brain's answering the question for you there, um, unless I'm reading it wrong. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, Tottenham Hotspur is the greatest football club to support. As much as it's a horrible experience, I can't imagine supporting another team. Um, so yes, is my short answer. Well, it's exciting enough, Baptize isn't it? them in the ways. Because uh, yeah. the it's thing about Spurs is, like, it'd be. I think now, I think how. Imagine how really. Let's be real. Imagine how boring it is to support Man City now. Like you haven't got any highs anymore, really. Where do they come from? No. You've done. Mm. You've done it against Manchester United. You've you know you're going, oh, you've done that last day, last day of the season, to win. I think it was their first Premier League title. Yeah, it was, yeah. It peaked then, didn't to, it? To beat Manchester United, their long-time rivals, right? Yeah. How, like, imagine doing that to Arsenal. Your head would explode. Like, yeah. And somewhere, and I know it's painful, I know it's annoying, but somewhere out there in the multiverse or even in our string of the universe, right? Somewhere out there in the hopefully not-so-distant future that I'm still here to see it, that we're still here to see that, there is just the purest joy, the purest ecstasy out there for Tottenham Hotspur. And even if there isn't, 
the fact that that exists, the fact that it mm. is somewhere still there is something that should keep you excited. And it's something that should just keep you attached to this club because there are still roads to go for us. You know, it's not yeah. done. The race isn't run. Like you see the first, the first season of the Soprano, I keep referencing the Sopranos at the moment, but the first season of that, one of the first conversations he has with Jennifer Melfi, with the, the psychologist, Tony Soprano saying, you know, he's just, he's listless because he feels that everywhere's been explored. Everything's been conquered. Everything's been done. The human race is finished. We're at the end stage now. There's, what else is there to do? We're just existing now. And that's kind of where these clubs like Man City and that are, right? Like, But Spurs aren't there. We've still got this stuff to do. So, yeah, we do have these annoying, painful, miserable experiences, these Groundhog Day situations that are so fucking tedious in isolation. However, however, there is still every opportunity that we make a few right moves and Tottenham could win the Premier League because we are close enough. That's the thing, mate, isn't it? Like, we, we, yeah. we're, we're, we're standing by the dinner table. We're not sat down. We're not feasting yet. We haven't done yet. But we're at least sat there. You've got bloody whoever else, Millwall and the likes of that, who are down the road foraging through bins. Do you know what I mean? At least we're standing there by, you know, the fucking dinner table, getting a whiff of the turkey on Christmas Day. We're just, we're yeah. just close. We're just close enough, right? We might get a bone to chew on every now and again or something. I don't really know where this metaphor is going. You get what I'm saying now, don't you? I do. Yeah, and it, you're absolutely right. Um, so, yeah, who, who asked the question? Yes, absolutely. Um, there's so, yeah, there's because we, we still haven't done anything. <laughs> so, therefore, as I say, if you use the, the, the city example, which I think is it like, is it a quote from or referring to Alexander the Great or something when he was staring across all the lands he conquers and he and he wept because there was nowhere nowhere else to to conquer essentially i mean that's obviously not the quote because that was i absolutely bollocked it but <laughs> you get the point <laughs> we, we we're still we're still there aren't we we're still we still got all the all the potentially great things to happen and that's what keeps you that's what keeps you hooked onto it because you know again another, another metaphor is you're just chasing that dragon aren't you you want that final amazing hit that's gonna stop your heart blow your brain out that that's what that's what we want we want that moment so yeah if we win the, if we win the league this season uh then that that's it peaked though so the baby might be born and then you know won't remember it and then it'll be like 40 years before something else happens again so but still still great still great yes, I remember, absolutely do it i remember philip anderson i had on on the pod before um friend of the show rose's da and I remember him saying, like, you know, when he first got into supporting Spurs as a as a boy, <laughs> Spurs won the double, and he was like, oh yes, I backed the right horse here, because he was saying like half his family were Arsenal, he chose Spurs, and he was like, yes, here we go, nice one, we've won the double, this is going to be a nice support experience down the rest of my days, and then, yeah. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ 
The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 